I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Beth Branning, author and former chief strategy officer at San Diego Zoo Global. Her new book is The Call, the strategic plan that empowered Sandy San Diego Zoo Global to lead the fight against extinction. Faced with the increasing rate of wildlife extinction, Sandy Diego Zoo Global felt compelled to evolve into an organization that could make a significant impact on dwindling animal and plant species in the wild. Beth Branning developed a strategic plan that provided the focus, prioritization, and inspiration to model mobilize thousands of employees and volunteers to rally behind a vision of leading the fight against extinction. She details how to unite supporters and help raise the barriers to success regardless of the business. Achieving transformational results for an organization or business is vital, as doing so will deliver on the mission. With a background in journalism, her strategic planning process received the 2013 Association for Strategic Planning Goodman Award, the top international prize for strategic planning innovation and implementation. Welcome to the show, Beth. Nice to have you here. Thanks so much for having me, Catherine. Well, I think a lot was said, a big introduction for you. And obviously, this strategic planning, I guess sort of... In, encapsulating what I said is strategic planning is not only important specifically at this or was for the San Diego Zoo, but for any and almost all businesses if they want to achieve their mission. So let's start out with the call and the San Diego Zoo and how you were able to implement strategic planning to make, uh, to accomplish the success that you did uh, and to address the topics that obviously were concerned, uh, were of concern for the zoo. So um, thanks. The, the, the San Diego Zoo Global had been working on strategic planning for a lot of years before they got to the call. And one of the chief problems were that there were so many different ideas of what success looked like. A lot of people felt like uh, it's a zoo. We should really focus on, you know, animals for people to look at. It's uh, something sort of it's we need to make money so that we can have more animals for people to look at. And there was another group of um, employees that felt, wait a minute, um, I feel like we really need to work on conservation because that's the reason we have these animals here is to be ambassadors for their wild counterparts. But the two sides and, and you know, and many other splinter groups internally, they all kind of got into their silos and, and felt like they each knew what the right answer was. But it, you know, it took a long time to really figure out that what we wanted to be was a conservation organization, but we didn't know how we could remain financially viable. And if we couldn't, then we couldn't do anything for conservation. So it really became a culture of strategic planning over time at the zoo and at there's a safari park and a conservation uh, research arm that had been part of it for, well, the company was 100 years old. But they had to recognize that there were trade-offs that needed to be made in order to focus on conservation. And once um, our strategic planning had reached a point where we were really, um, really solid in terms of our infrastructure, then we were able to say, all right, let's create a strategic plan that takes us into the stratosphere. Let's, let's really become a conservation organization that also has zoos and the safari park so that we can, you know, get people to, to feel compassion for animals. But then all of the, um, the proceeds of that go into the idea of saving species. 
And once we were able to I do that... I want to just stop, Beth. I we, just want to stop you there. Because oh, exactly in terms of time, when was that? And uh, like what year was uh, that that you... Yeah. So, so 2015 is when we finally got to the point where we said, oh my gosh, this is the... This is the change that we're able to make, and we will be able to remain a viable organization. Um, you know, what we, precipitated we you having to make the change? Why did you have to, at, at that particular point? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, um, the, the, the dwindling amount of animals around the world? So many animals are going extinct. There's a great extinction taking place around the world. And we just came to the point where we realized... It doesn't matter. We have to figure something out here. We have to be able to do what we can for conservation. But we, we'd been working on conservation for a long time. We just felt like we were making little bits of progress here and there for specific species. And we felt like there's a bigger purpose for us in terms of conservation around the world. And our strategic planning process helped us figure out what it is that we could do better than anyone else and how we could really... Um, change be a game changer in terms of uh, species conservation and that so to be a game changer us, if you're going to be a game changer i'm assuming that you also you have a certain uh, place obviously a, a um, strategic place among zoos and so i just want to kind of get a feel for like yeah. the san diego zoo in terms of size in terms of animals in terms of you know where do you fit because uh, amongst the top 10 zoos around the world, I happen to love zoos and I've been to zoos all around the yeah. world, but and including the San Diego Zoo. Um, okay. But yeah. So how so do you. In, term, in terms yeah. of. Oh, go ahead. Where do you fit? In terms of um, the success of zoos, there's a lot of different things you can look at in terms of. Uh, number of visitors or amount of money made or number of species that are there or number of individual animals, uh, the uh, size of the plant collection, you know, there's all those different metrics. And San Diego Zoo is uh, known around the world as being a, a really top-notch zoo um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of the top few zoos that have uh, a great amount of people coming to visit. They're, uh, they're amongst the top there. They're amongst the top in terms of uh, the diversity of species. And it, especially if you take the zoo and its sister zoo, which is the Safari Park, uh, which is about 30 miles away, and you put those two together, they're both run by the same parent organization, and they have a great reputation around the world as being some of the best zoos in the world. Because does that I was answer there, your question? Yeah, that does answer the question. And I was thinking, wasn't the San Diego Zoo the zoo where the orangutan saved that little boy? Was that that was the San Diego Zoo, wasn't it? I'm not familiar with that particular story. I'm sorry. Well, um, uh, yeah, but, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was way it was before 2015. But anyway, okay, go on. Um, that's another story. Uh, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of good zoo stories. You're right, and and zoos really are a place for people to connect with animals and to become, um, to like, especially with children, to develop a lifelong feeling of compassion for animals, and that's what leads to them wanting to save them. But we really wanted to become something bigger than a conservation zoo because we felt like it, animals are just in too much danger around the world of becoming extinct. 
And the problems are so complex. It's not just a question of, how, you know, giving money to, to a, uh, an area or a species and saying, here, here you go, giraffes, you know, <laughs> I hope this helps. You know, the, conver- the um, specific problems are so complex that no one conservation organization can save them all. And so what San Diego Zoo Global, when it kind of flipped its mission on its head and said, all right, we're going to be a conservation organization that also has these two zoos. We're going to focus on saving species. And we felt that what we could do better than anyone else is to do is to facilitate conservation between all the different partners. And so we look at an area that we want to focus on and we feel that we can focus on best. And we say in that particular area, let's say Kenya. In Kenya, what can we do to help all the species of animals and plants in that area? And what we mostly can do is look at all the different partners who are working on saving land or uh, helping zebras or helping lions or um, helping the local people to find subsistence hunting so they don't have to, to finding a, a, another livelihood so they don't have to relate or resort to subsistence subsistence hunting. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, So trying to do all those things and then seeing where the gaps are, seeing, okay, if we do all that, what's that going to help and what's going to be left over? And then finding additional partners who can fill in those gaps. So So let me ask you this. What about, Beth, if you have people who are working in a zoo at all levels, different, you know, hundreds, thousands of employees, and they all have different jobs, uh, mm-hmm. the assumption would be, well, you know, it would seem to me those kinds of people would definitely want to be saving animals around the world, that there wouldn't be anybody who would be against it or opposed to that kind of a policy. So what did you, what, obviously there are, and so, and that's part of, I assume, what you've done you in terms of engaging people. Yeah. So what were some of the issues and how did you engage those who were, you know, hey, we, 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 that's not what we're interested in. We don't want to have to Got save it. species around the world. Yeah. I, I think that the main thing wasn't, you're right, you're absolutely right, that everyone who works there has a passion for animals and they all wanted to save species. The problem was that uh, especially during, you know, during the years of, say, 2008 through 2015, everybody felt like that, that was a great thing for us to do, but we couldn't afford it. Um, we couldn't leave the financial model that we were working with and, you know, it, 2008, everybody was struggling to stay afloat and um, trying to figure out, well, how could we make sure that we maintain our financial health for as an organization and still go after helping all these conservation projects? Uh, there was a great feeling that we need to just stick with what we know, which is which is being a zoo and attracting people and perhaps even invest money in things that were more of an entertainment nature because that's how you get people to come and people pay money. And that's, that was just the model that we knew. And so there were a lot of... And I have to stop you there because we had a great experience at the San Diego Zoo. I will preface it by saying that, but just it's sort of... My experience there was what you said. We, when we got there, yes, there were all these wonderful animals and obviously all of these things to see. But there was a lot of that, and, and I don't mean amusement park, but I think you used a different word, mm-hmm. kinds of things that when I saw it, I thought, well, people, they do like, you know, water slides and stuff. I'm not saying you had a water slide, <laughs> I don't remember, but those kinds of things. And really, don't we want to engage with the animals? And that was something that I observed prior to your obviously taking on this strategic plan so um 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's like a, that's what, how the strategic plan helped us is once we figured out where we wanted to go, then we had to keep making choices that were consistent with that. We don't have a water slide, but that's a great example. Suppose we realized if, if we had a water slide, more people would come and they would pay money and then our organization would have more money. But we have to ask ourselves, is a water slide, is investing in a water slide going to help us achieve our vision of leading the fight against extinction? Well, no, there are other ways to use that money that would further our reputation and further our work for conservation. And so we had to say no to a lot of things that we called profitable distractions, things that would give us money but take us away from our core. And that's where the strategic plan really helped us stay on on focus of what we needed to achieve. So staying on focus, take us back to that time. How did you decide, for instance, what kinds of animals needed help needed to you know you had to prevent from becoming extinct and where and who made those kinds of decisions and also you mentioned profitability how does this become you have to you do have to have money to stay in business in any business and so how do you do that given your mission which has changed Right. So um, regarding the question about how we chose which animals to focus on, that's a great question because that took a lot of work um, and everybody had a different idea of it. Uh, there were a lot of people that felt like the animals that we have that are at the zoo or at our safari park, those are the animals people are engaging with. And so we should make sure that their wild counterparts are are saved and that that's how we should devote our money but so many times it's a, the larger picture uh, like i was using that example of kenya um if we were to say that zebras were very popular in the zoo and and you go off to save zebras in kenya but zebras are part of a landscape that includes so many other animals in their particular area uh once you make those decisions uh then then it becomes pretty sti- pretty simple that you need to focus on an area so that those areas um, or, you know, a, uh, either those areas or a, a larger area of, um, of influence that we're able to do the most with. And once we figured out what those areas were, then we were able to really um, to hone in on what that facilitative role would be like, what, how working with other partners in that area could make the most benefit for those species. Beth, what are, the most of, popular, um, what are the most popular animals with people? The top five. Um, at, at a zoo? At your zoo, at the San Diego Zoo. Okay, well, uh, number one was definitely pandas. The pandas recently uh, had to go back to China. All, all pandas in the world are on loan from China, and so we are kind of at, at the mercy of China's uh, decision-making about that. Uh, we had pandas for many years, and they were our, our biggest draw, but the, um, and, and, I, and they will probably come back again. It's, the idea is they're on a breeding loan, and so they came, they breeded many, bred many times, and so hopefully we'll get new pandas from China. Um, the other ones, I think, are, are the animals that people are most interested in, uh, the elephants, the gorillas. Uh, the, what we call the charismatic megavertebrates, the ones where uh, they're so big and so interesting. At the safari park, uh, which is nearby, we, also, we have actual herds of elephants and herds of rhinos. And rhinos are a very important species for San Diego Zoo Global because they're, they represent a really strong conservation focus for us as well as a breeding focus. 
And we also have a lot of um, birds of prey that are help in, in a variety of ways, uh, at both at the safari park and at the zoo. And um, I think prob- probably those are the top ones. It, it's hard for me to say exactly which ones, but I know that those are the biggies. Yeah, I wonder if there's a difference between the animals that adults like to to uh, to to see and as and children. If there are differences, yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> children are are actually you're right a lot more intrigued with like the little guy, the little animals that they can see close up. Uh, we have a a pretty um, cool project going on at the San Diego Zoo with, where we're rebuilding our children's zoo. Uh, it's actually closed right now while it's being completely revamped, which it, it hasn't been completely revamped, uh, I don't think ever, <laughs> but it's just uh, with a lot of uh, market research that went into it to see, uh, like you're saying, what children want to see and what children can relate to um, and, and trying to make sure that it teaches us teaches a story but in a way that's very attractive to children so that, like I said before, they can really get these lifelong relationships with animals where they're going to be able to care for them. Now, you're leading the fight against extinction. The call, the title of the book, you know, leading the fight against extinction. Are there other zoos that you work with who also have that mission, or do they have very different missions? And if so, what are some of the different kinds of missions that, that zoos have? I'd say most zoos have a mission that is along the lines of education, conservation and recreation type, that type of thing. So that uh, conservation is definitely a piece, uh, I would say, of every uh, accredited zoo, certainly in, in, um, in the United States and, and most of the, the better zoos in the world. Um, they, they all see conservation as a part of what they do and especially telling people about conservation issues and conservation education. Zoos are very good that way. What we're taking it, to, and, and what I haven't seen any other zoos do in, um, in the U.S., I'm kind of, kind of running through them in my head, is this idea that we're flipping it on its head and saying conservation is our main thing. And it's not just conservation uh, education, which is a very important part, but it's conservation working throughout the world and locally as well with other partners, partners that do um, you know, land acquisition for animals, uh, partners that do research on animals that, you know, in terms of trying to make sure that they can um, genetically reproduce them once they are extinct, doing that kind of research that goes beyond what kinds of conservation take place in a normal, in, in most zoos. There are zoos around the world also that, that look at their, um, their charge this way, but for the most part, they're focus more on the conservation education piece. I, when I introduced does you in the beginning, sense? yes, it does. When I introduced you in the beginning as author and former chief strategy officer, uh, for mm-hmm. a chief strategy officer, I'm thinking about all the things we've just been discussing in the last 15 minutes. What a headache. How did you go to bed at night? How do you get this award for being the strategic <laughs> planning? I mean, I'm, there's just so much, in, you know, that you're involved in and people and organizations. And talk to us kind of on the individual level. How are you able to accomplish this on your own in the way that you're able to do it? I think I think it, it's a great question. I think it uh, really was a, um, a, a fact, you know, part of the fact that I really 
care about wildlife. And most of the people I worked with, well, I would say all the people that I worked with really care about wildlife and its future as well. So everybody was kind of that in that same boat of trying to go to bed at night and, and not just worry about the future of, of animals. You, you hear these nightmarish stories, uh, like, for instance, 96 elephants every single day are getting killed around the world. Uh, it, it's just like when you think of things like that, it's just it's so frustrating. Um, but then when you start to see strategies, you start to imagine what could happen if we could make these big changes. And then when we start to stop progress towards that, that's when it's really exciting. And that's what I think keeps you going uh, towards this. Um, We have a project in Hawaii that we've had for many years working on trying to get some of the native Hawaiian birds to get back out into the wild. And there's this one bird that's called the alala. It's a, a crow. It looks like a crow, but it's a special crow for for Hawaii. And it had pretty much gone extinct uh, there were no crows in the wild, no alala in the wild. And the alala was believed that when you die, that's the bird that carries your soul up to heaven. So without the alala, you know, it's like you think about all the different parts of that. There's not that that bird would, would be extinct, but so would this this wonderful piece of Hawaiian lore and and then we, so we had to bring them all into captivity, learn how to raise them by hiding all the people so that they never saw a person, so that they were fed by a puppet that looked like a bird. And then we finally, after many years, were able to put them back in the wild. And now they're out flying around in the wild and able to take people's souls back to heaven. When you start to see results like that, that's what keeps you going. And it just makes you realize we're, we're doing this for a reason. Yeah, and I think you're doing it and sort of adding on to that. I think, uh, one of the reasons that I go to a zoo, there is something, maybe not with that particular bird necessarily, but there is something very meditative, therapeutic about it. You may go walk into a zoo with all kinds of things you're thinking about and issues and problems and anxieties. And then if you can just kind of get yourself into the mood of, of, of sort of being at one with whatever animals you choose to see, it really has yeah. a therapeutic effect and it, it, it works. It, and it's much less expensive than therapy, actually. So it's a, it's a, a great thing to do, I think, either by yourself, with your family. Um, you can do it however you want. That's a wonderful point, and I think you do. You, you especially, you know, most zoos have a, a wonderful um, horticulture collection as well. So you're you're able to walk in there, and there's there's lush plants, and there's um, you know the sounds of all the animals, and then you're like you say, making a one-on-one connection with the animal that you're with, and it is. It's very calming. It's very therapeutic. Now, one thing that isn't therapeutic is when you're doing this or having to execute the strategic planning is, and especially in different countries, um, how does politics fit into that? Because then you're, aren't you working, you're working yeah. with government. Yeah. So tell us about that a little bit in terms of. That, you know. that part, that's an important part of this is uh, working with governments, working with politics, and also working with all these different organizations that each have their own uh belief that what they're doing is the most important thing and they know how to do it best. It, you know, that that was one of the biggest parts of the strategic plan was recognizing that we had to be the kind of partner that um, works with other groups and, and other uh, governments to be able to achieve these goals. We can't just come in there and tell other people how they should do things. Um, one of the ones that comes to mind is we worked a lot with Ecuador and the Galapagos Islands, and it was very difficult um 
in that, you know, the, the idea of the Galapagos Islands to us is just this pristine place where animals are, are left alone to be able to, to, uh, to do what they do best and people are not allowed to touch them. And, um, Ecuador does a great job of protecting the area, but they do it in a way that is, um, makes it very hard to do any kind of research project. And, uh, and it's, it, you know, you look at it and you see that there's so much more that could be done if different organizations got involved. But you have to respect the fact that that's the government is there and, and you have to be able to work with governments around the world. We have projects on every continent and at, uh, like 43 countries around the world. So there's a lot of politics involved. But that's something that we're that's part of our strategic plan to continually improve our our partnership abilities. So, and are you there? Are you, do you go on to next or do you stay there? We have three minutes left. So um, are you strictly at the San Diego Zoo or now are you involved in other organizations or zoos yes. around the world? Yeah. I've, I've actually, when I was at the San Diego Zoo, uh, they frequently sort of loaned me out to partners so that they could have strategic plan, create strategic plans that would help them. Uh, and I've since left the San Diego Zoo uh, two years ago, and I now have um, a uh, consultancy where I do strategic planning for nonprofits, uh, either organizations or associations, sometimes outside the animal world and sometimes still with it in the wildlife space. But I also do a lot of collaborating with San Diego Zoo Global. That's still where my heart is. Beth, okay, two minutes left. Give us some websites, and maybe there are several, I don't know, and uh, where we can uh, find out more about what you're doing. And I assume we can buy the book on, at Amazon, online, bookstores everywhere. Um, so, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, you can buy, you can buy the book. It's, uh, it is online uh, at Amazon if you search for the call, the strategic plan. And um, it's also, it has its own website, uh, thecall.sandiegozoo.org. Uh, so that you can go and, and read um, read about the book. You can also purchase it on the zoo's website. And the one um, other website I would encourage you to go to is sandiegozoo.org. And uh, there's also endextinction.org. That endextinction.org talks specifically about this um, this effort that we're doing to try to save animals around the world. And sandiegozoo.org talks about uh, the zoo and the safari park and and all the animals that are there. Great. Great talking to you today. Thank you so much. Uh, Beth Branning, author and former chief strategy officer at San Diego Zoo Global. And the title of the book is The Call, the strategic plan that empowered San Diego Zoo Global to lead the fight against extinction. Great. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Catherine. It was a fun conversation. Yeah. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 